I'm Captain Logan. And I'm Vince. And uh, I brought in Vince today for uh, Superhero Rewind because he is our resident expert in The Punisher. <laughs> and uh, we're going to do this uh, a little bit differently. Uh, usually, of course, Rewind is uh, scripted beforehand and uh, is just me. Uh, but today I brought Vince on because, uh, as I said, he knows a ton about The Punisher and it seems uh, very unfair to do this movie without without bringing Vince in. He's going to have a lot of, a lot of insight and um, I'm sure a lot of our viewers uh, who know Vince would be interested to know what he thinks about this particular film. Yeah, I didn't ask Cap to do this. He's just, you know, a considerate guy. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's go ahead and get right into it, Vince. Uh, the, the 2004 Punisher film is uh, kind of, uh, it, well, it's an origin story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, on Rewind, I talk a lot about, um, about origins and about how uh, sometimes they're necessary and very often they're not. Let me also say, of course, that the Punisher's not really a superhero. <laughs> I should throw that out real quick. <laughs> and I talked about that a lot on, on the 89 film, so I'm not going to go too much into that. The origin is a good place to go as long as there's a good story there. When we don't want uh, an origin is when we're, uh, we're having to pad the origin with stuff and pretend like there's a story there. And there's an actual story here. Yeah, I mean, they've managed to, uh, to connect his, his current problem, or, or where it becomes his current problem, the main body of the story, in with his origin. So uh, you don't, even though you know where the origin is, you don't necessarily sit there and think that this can't possibly be connected to that because it's all, you know, circular, cyclical, it happens. There's a cause and effect. You know, we, we, we see the, uh, the the kind of tried and true moment where he puts on his air quotes costume. You know, he has mm-hmm. his symbol that he puts on, uh, and then the end the end where he decides that he's you know he's finished this particular mission, but he will continue to do this. Uh, you know, you you that's kind of that's kind of your basic tropes of the superhero origin. Um, but if you're if you're watching this and you're not thinking about it as a comic book movie or as a superhero movie, it, it doesn't it doesn't scream. You know, this is this is the just the beginning. It's it's a it's a story about a character where there's a, there's a status quo and it's broken, and the and the breaking of the status quo is his his family is killed. Yeah, I think the the big reason for that is that there is a in, in say like Batman or something there is a grander sense he is gearing up for the overall war. But in this particular Punisher movie, even though there is a, a later war that comes to being, he's he's gearing up for his vengeance in a way. But as he uh, the reason the reason that he becomes the Punisher is it, even in this movie in the comics whatever is that uh, in the process of finding his vengeance he finds a new calling. Uh, let's get into uh, the the psychology of the character a little bit. I want to I, I want to talk about uh, why the Punisher uh, does what he does and how he feels about his family. I think this is uh, this this is really important. Vince, you being the Punisher fan you are and, and and knowing a lot of the source material, which version of the Punisher would you say the uh, uh, th- this version is closest to? I would say this is fairly close to uh, maybe Volume Two. And when I say Volume 2, I mean Punisher Volume 2 from the 80s. And what's interesting to me about that is So that this is not the Garth Ennis Punisher. No, Garth Ennis Punisher is very dark and very... Uh, very. See, the Garth well, a lot Ennis... of people say this is a super dark movie. Well, you know, there is, a, there is a darkness to it. I don't think you can write the Punisher, a guy that kills criminals, without, uh, without making it a little dark. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the Ennis Punisher is a guy who is, is off his rocker entirely. This is a guy who's been... I mean, I suppose the difference between Classic Punisher and Ennis Punisher is that uh, Classic Punisher has been in it for, say, 10, maybe 15 years, and he's treating it very much so like a war. This is a guy in a, in a soldier where he is the only soldier, and uh, so therefore that's why he's a little extreme. But uh, when you get to Ennis Punisher, here's a guy who's been going for 30, 40, 50 years, and uh, 
here's a man who is thoroughly ingrained. His war is his life, and he is now officially crazy. So there is a there's a bit of a gap between uh, classic Punisher and Ennis Punisher, and uh, that's why I don't think you necessarily need to see an origin story because you can do some interesting things with uh, his current reality without having to constantly retread his. Uh, his, his the death of his family. Sure. But uh, there is a definite story there. Uh, there are versions of the Punisher, and we've been reading Punisher Max lately, where um, it, it, the, the Punisher seems to almost, like, uh, y- you know, covet the death of his family. Like, he needed that to become the person he wanted to be. Mm. And that's not the Punisher we have here, I don't think. Uh, I, I, th- I think this version really does uh, uh, care about his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would, I, I would make the case um, that it's a little bit difficult to tell because we're not not in his head as much at the beginning as we are later in the film. Well, I think uh, the, he, he feels a bit distant to me at the beginning. I have a hard time getting a handle on him. And I, I, I feel like his family is a little more stereotypical than they need to be. He has kind of a perfect family life. And at first I'm thinking, oh, that's the problem. His, his family life is too perfect and he wants this. Of course, my mind was kind of tainted a little bit with the other versions that I've read. So I was thinking, I was kind of, I, I was kind of bringing that to the table a little bit while I was watching the movie and I was Thinking, oh, you know, he's he's gonna um, he's gonna become that kind of Punisher Max version where uh, you know he his his he doesn't know what to do with his family. It's too you know you know his family life is too easy, and he needs this to become the guy he wants to be. But that's not really it at all. He seems to uh, get along just fine with his kid, and he likes to go out and play catch with him and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and uh, he he has these um, these really typical typical moments with his wife. I think that uh, this particular Punisher, the reason why uh, the Thomas Jane Punisher isn't this hardened guy who can't relate to his family is because he wasn't a Marine. He was an FBI agent. Yeah. Now, maybe he was a Marine at one point, but uh, he did Yeah, I think there's some talk about tours of duty, although I don't think they go into exactly what it was he did. They're pretty... Um, pretty vague on that. In the extended cut, I believe, they actually show... They had a, a deleted scene that they never filmed, so they did sort of this... Halfway animated version of it. That was strange. Which was like trying to slide storyboard over storyboard art. It was really strange, but it was kind of interesting. It was basically him showing his 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 gun abilities. I guess I'll call them his marksmanship and his Punisher s qualities. But the problem with that is that uh, that's the extended cut. That's not what we see in the theatrical version. We're Mm -hmm. trying to get to the guts of this guy. Right. So what we really see is that uh, here's a guy who probably has a military history, but the thing he's fresh out of is uh, FBI history. Saint, the big mob boss in the movie, uh, played by John Travolta, um, uh, you know, his uh, his son gets killed because of Frank Castle in a uh, co-op, I mean a co-op, right, because he's playing a video game, (laughs) Um, in a a, a, um, uh, covert operations mission where he's pretending to be someone else. And um, then uh, Saint, uh, you know, sends his people after them and they kill his whole family because that's what his wife wants. His wife says, kill his family, his whole family. Then the, the Punisher miraculously survives and uh, he, well, Frank Castle, he decides he's going to uh, get back at, uh, at Saint and kill his family. Um, so, so, the, so, so the question is, um, why, why, does, why is this the choice he makes? I think that it's sort of the slippery slope. He's he's trying to do what he deems, uh, you know, a good profession. He's trying to do, or he meaning Frank Castle, he's trying to, to do a good profession, i.e. Uh, law enforcement, and he's trying to uh, live a decent life. But, you know, something goes awry, he can't help it, he doesn't necessarily blame himself for it. However, uh, however Howard Saint does. So, therefore, we yeah. have this uh, cause and effect where, uh, you know, 
who wronged who first. Mm -hmm. So therefore, now it's this constant circle of revenge. And uh, so what is this movie really about? And I think we touched on it earlier, but uh, the Punisher isn't seeking... You know, he is seeking punishment because he doesn't think that anybody's punished the people for... Uh, for the crimes that they committed against him. Yeah. A lot of these kind of movies, and this is what I found very interesting about this, um, a, a, lot, a lot of the times the word revenge is thrown around uh, mm -hmm. in vigilante films, and it's not here. Uh, here he, he, uh, he says that he's not about revenge, he's about punishment, and, and it seems like he's, he's kind of daredevil in a way. He, he's, 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 he's seeking justice before he's seeking revenge, and he's so extremely methodical about it. That's one of the things I found really interesting. Um, he waits five months before he does anything. Mm -hmm. And he uh, he walks right up to uh, the police that he used to work with, uh, and they're like, "Oh, Frank, I thought you were dead." And you know, he walks right up to them. And uh, I think it's really interesting, by the way, that that he goes out in public and doesn't mind people seeing his face. They make a really big deal earlier early in the film about how uh, he seems to be a master of, of disguise. He's good at uh, those covert operations missions, but he doesn't use that skill. Mm -hmm. uh, he wants people to know who's doing this, and I find that really interesting, too. He's so methodical about it. And so uh, he, he lets five months pass, and when he sees the, the, the policeman and, um, and, and uh, they, they ask him where he's been, uh, he, he, he just, he just sideswipes that and says, you've been, uh, you know, it's been five months, and you've done nothing. No, he, said, he says no one has been put in jail. He's given them the chance. He's waited for it. And I think it's really interesting. He, he doesn't, um, it's not blind emotion that he's, that, that's, that's driving him. He believes in the system, and the system is not working. And, yeah. so, and so he says, what am I supposed to do? Of course he's grieving, and he's extremely dry and extremely, emo but he's very emotionless. Mm -hmm. and, and it almost seems like he's not allowing the emotions to consume him because he, he feels like this is the right thing to do. That's a terrific point. I'd not, I hadn't really thought of it that way. This is a guy that has faith in the system, and uh, the, basics, the, the big change of status quo isn't just that he's lost his family, it's that he's lost his faith in the system, and uh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and at the end of the film, when he decides to continue doing what he's doing, uh, because I, I, the, the idea seems to be that, um, you, know, you know, yes, his family is, is now avenged or whatever, um, or, or, you know, the people have been punished, as it were, uh, but this kind of thing, if it happened to him, it's happened to other people. And if, if, um, if the system is not working with every case, because he's not going out and looking for things that the system will fix, he's looking for the things that the system is missing. Yeah. Here's the thing: a lot of critics came down on this film as as being as being really cold, really emotionless, and strangely, I didn't see it that way. Uh, this is this is the second time I've seen this film. I saw it uh, uh, shortly after it came out, and I had that reaction to it then. But now, I don't know. This this guy, I I felt this time around to me. Uh, and, and again, I, I say this a lot, but sometimes it just depends on the moment that you watch a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but but this time around, um, he seemed like more of a human being to me. I think a lot of this has to do with uh, with Rebecca Romijn Stamos's character and uh, and Bumpo and Dave. Uh, yeah, right. The the, the neighbors who uh, serve as um, as a kind of somewhat comedy comedy relief, but also to anchor the film into, into some humanity a little bit. I think that you know maybe they could have chosen a stronger way to do this, but I think that mm -hmm. part of the reason why he actually became the Punisher, as opposed to just a guy seeking vengeance, is that uh, he sees their pain. 
he sees their uh, their difficulties and he realizes that he can do something about it. That's he's, right. Yeah. And he's not necessarily saying I need to uh, save these characters. He's like, well, there are, there are people doing bad things to them and they should be punished too. Yeah. So uh, that's that's a really good point, and that escalates him to where he gets to at the end of the film. Because as you see in the movie, he is seeking revenge to some extent. And uh, he is trying to punish the people that wronged him. And, of course, what else would revenge be other than seeking punishment for the people that have wronged you? Right. But uh, when he gets to the end, it's, it's, there is a logical development. There is a, uh, there, is a, a, there is a development that happens from his humanity being linked to the humanity in the three people in the apartment complex. I want to talk about uh, some, some, uh, some problems I have with the initial premise. Uh, the big one being... Uh, it takes me out of the film quite a bit that he so easily survives everything. Uh, he very much... Now, 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 let me first say, though, that this is somewhat of a surrealistic universe that we have. This, this seems to be a world that is wrought with violence in a way that ours is not. And, uh, I mean, violence seems to follow this guy everywhere it goes. And it doesn't feel contrived the way that it's presented in the film. What are the odds that he's going to move into an apartment complex right across from some people that just happen to be attacked by this evil boyfriend guy, right? Like, what are the odds? You know, I wonder. And things like that. Because it seems like he's trying to uh, find a place that nobody will ever see him. It seems like he's trying to choose a bad neighborhood. And, well, uh, that's a good point, too. I suppose, you know, he does. But, you know, I wonder how bad a neighborhood has to be to where you'll have three genuinely decent people, regardless of quirks. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, than one guy that visits them as a horrible human being. Yeah, completely stereotypical evil boyfriend guy. Uh, but 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 let me get back to to um the to uh, the, the the part where uh, where Frank's uh, family is murdered, which by the way I think is one of the one of the best scenes in the movie. It's this giant, huge action scene of of uh, you know you know uh, his his family um uh, running around trying not to get killed by saints men and this um and this beautiful soundtrack uh with with um with these uh with these these gorgeous uh, this gorgeous string music in the background um it's not your typical action scene kind of kind of music like 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 um the way that it's portrayed makes it really heart wrenching and really touching and uh, we get into Frank's head. Um, through uh, uh, through the filmmaking more than we do by what he says during the movie, which is which is which is really amazing, uh, and I think that's that's the greatest thing about the movie. Uh, it's not a very deep film, and I do feel like we could get more into his head than we do. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like there are some things that I would like to know about him that would make me understand him a lot better. But uh, but but we do but we do get to know him uh, through the filmmaking. It's almost as if we get to see it through his eyes, kind of. The uh, scene where his family dies is almost a, a love note to uh, to Mad Max. Because mm. in Mad Max, almost shot for shot, at least it feels almost shot for shot, the uh, the scene where he's running down to, to see his family as their, their corpses are lying on the ground, it is, it is straight out of Mad Max. And uh, also, just because I think it's worth saying, the... Uh, the character, or not the characters, but the effects are done extremely real. Like, there's a guy on fire. He's on fire. He just has a fire suit on, so it's not like anything CGI. No, or, it's or it's all it's all done practically, which so. and it looks great. It's it's really fantastic. But it bugs me that he shot over and over again at point blank range, and the explanation for how he survives is uh, he survives. Mm -hmm. um, it, when when I saw it the first time, I wondered if he was somehow rather supposed to be a supernatural being uh, somehow, you know. And, and of course, and of course, he's not. Even in this in this somewhat surreal surrealistic universe, um, I don't think that it's um, 
I don't think it quite works. You know, I, th- I think you have a point. And when I first watched it, I was like, really? It exploded and he would just kind of lift it away? <laughs> That's impressive. But, uh, and... To some extent, because uh, the problem is that he's never really in danger, right? Uh, uh, because because every time he gets so terribly, um, um, you know, you know, you know, hurt to the point where he should die, he always recovers from it and always pretty quickly. Yeah, he gets bandaged up and stuff, and he's bleeding everywhere and whatever. But 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 still, you know, and there's some gruesome stuff. But still, um, you always know he's going to come out of it just because his name is in the title. Yeah, and, and there's this also with this. Uh, recurring theme in film where there's this magical medicine man who can bring him back from the brink of death. The most ridiculous things can happen to this guy, and yet some uh, some African, or not African, whatever country they're in, some dude comes out of the out of the woods and says, all right, I have my herbs, you're not going to die. Let's pull this bullet out of your heart. Yeah, the biggest the biggest problems with the film are, are conveniences like that. Uh, mm-hmm. That that that's one. Um, another that I thought was uh, was was very strange is that uh, they just uh, he and his Frank and his father just happened to be looking at Frank's father's gun collection at the moment that they're all getting uh, uh, getting killed. Thank goodness they were looking at all those boxes of guns. Now they've got guns to shoot with. You know what I took away from that scene is that uh, this is a fairly common occurrence. That these guys, uh, like, guns is something that they can relate with. Oh, sure, yeah. So, uh, I, I didn't question it as a convenience, although, you know... But if you think about it, just they, they, no, I mean, not that the guns were there, eating but dinner, they, rather they, than <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. If they'd shown up, like, six hours earlier, that'd have been a problem. Let's, let's uh, jump a little bit and talk about, um, about Saint. Um, I found him to be an absolutely fascinating character. See, I did as well, and I like John Travolta as Saint. You know, the thing that a lot of people always say to me about John Travolta is they say he's not a, he wasn't a convincing bad guy in that. And uh, what I have to say to that is Howard Saint was a businessman. And, uh, I mean, do you sure. really expect a uh, Yeah, he's not a supervillain. You don't necessarily need the cackling supervillain. You don't need the... Uh, the uh, over-stereotyped Italian mob guy to be no, your mob I liked guy. how understated he was. And in fact, uh, there were a lot of wonderfully understated things in the movie overall. A lot of people, uh, when, they, when, when the movie first came out, were talking about how, um, how horribly violent and gruesome the film is. And, and that's true in, in places, uh, but the most intense things are what we don't see. This, this film seems to get this, this, this rap of it's just torture scene after torture scene. There is no torture until an, an hour into the film, and even that is not a real torture scene. Uh, <laughs> it's, the funniest, it's the funniest scene in the movie. It's, it, it's actually the most lighthearted scene in the movie in a way uh, because it's Frank uh, pretending to torture this guy, uh, and, he, and, and it turns out that he's just poke, poking him with a popsicle and, um, and uh, <laughs> heating up some uh, raw meat and um, saying that uh, it's going to be so hot it's going to be cold and making the guy scream, and he doesn't ever actually hurt him. He hardly touches him, and then he finally just puts the popsicle in his mouth, and it's 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 hilarious. I would almost say that's not even arguable. That would be the most lighthearted thing because every other moment of happiness is tainted by an incoming violence that you know is about to happen. Yeah. But with the Punisher torturing this guy with a popsicle stick, I mean, he he breaks him, and you know nothing bad really has to happen because suddenly he has an inside man because of this. Yeah. He makes him. Not only does he make him uh, spew some of the. Uh, the things that Robert or Robert that Howard Saint is having him do, but uh, it makes him admit that he hates Howard Saint. 
And then later when we get a real torture scene, uh, we don't actually see any any torture happen. Uh, but there, but there's um, we hear screaming and stuff. But there's but um, it, it's made so intense because uh, we're because we're waiting for it to happen. The anticipation um, of, uh, of of you know uh, Saint's henchmen with the pliers and uh, the one one of the neighbors with piercings. Um, and you're just waiting for him to start pe- uh, pulling these piercings off. And uh, it's it's gut wrenching. It's hard to watch. I kept turning away. I, when I was watching it, and there was and nothing, no, nothing, they never showed anything. Or at least I don't think they did, because I but I kept turning my head away. Um, well, they didn't show a whole lot, but they showed the the, the result. They did show the result, and that was pretty gruesome. Uh, I feel like they did in places show more than they needed to, because it was so much more effective when they when they let you fill it in with your imagination. Uh, there's a scene toward the end where uh, somebody gets a knife stuck straight through their throat and all the way up into their mouth, and I didn't need that. That 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 wasn't that wasn't nearly as intense to me as the things I didn't see. You know, to some extent, I, I wonder if there isn't maybe a, uh, an idea of humor and violence in this. Like, uh, they show the knife in his mouth while he's sitting there, gar- or he's standing there gargling, and then just kind of lurches over like a stiff puppet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, right. like, in the scene where he's fighting the, the Russian, there's this, uh, this Italian music going on. I forget what it's called. Uh, but, uh, a lot on a mobile way. And, and, it, and it feels nearly like a cartoon. It's all this one-upmanship with, you know, you know uh, he hits the Russian, the Russian hits him. They keep finding um, the, the, most, the most bizarre and obscure things they can find to hit each other with and to stab each other with. And yeah. like, it's like this entire just avalanche. It's not funny because it's a little cringing at times. You know what I mean? It gets really violent, but it's played up almost like it's, like it's comedy. Almost. There are times there's a look on the Punisher's face, you know, in between being punished where he has this look of, oh, man, like, really? As opposed to, no, I'm going to die. Yeah, it's that's just, right. This is horrible exasperation. Like, you know, despite all my best efforts, this man keeps besting me. <laughs> what I found really intriguing about Howard Saint, getting back to him, he's not living in the real world. He has his... He is, he is so powerful and so rich that he's created his own universe uh, that in, in, in which, you know, he's the ruler of the, of, of the universe. He's like the Punisher in that um, he doesn't do anything just based on um, quick gut reaction emotions either. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes after, like you said, one-upmanship. He goes after the Punisher's family because, uh, because that's just how it works in the rules of his universe. Um, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back and harder. And he really seems to think that he's simply paying Frank back. It's almost like it's not even personal. And so the Punisher, and I love this, the Punisher turns that back around on him at the end, and um, he's like, well, you killed my whole family, now I killed your whole family. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting is that, uh, that Howard Saint's world is so untouched by, uh, by opposing hands is that uh, it almost makes him more easily manipulated because he's just not used to it. That's right, and then the Punisher uses that against him toward the end. Yeah, so when the Punisher convinces him that uh, his wife is cheating on him with his best friend and closest... Who uh, turns out to be a gay guy. Yeah, and obviously that... There are certain things within the uh, within this uh, whole Italian mafioso world mm-hmm. where you can't be a gay guy in that world and be accepted. Right, right. So there's reasons why he would want to conceal that. That's right. But uh, it's it's interesting that uh, the Punisher goes in and is able to use all of this secrecy against him and able to use this untouched world against him and make his uh, and make him kill his own family. 
One of the other uh, uh, really cool things about the movie is just how extremely clever the Punisher is. Uh, he's not just go go shoot a guy, go stab a guy. Uh, there, there's there's the like we like we mentioned the popsicle thing uh, is very clever, but the but the way that he um, handles how he's gonna uh, how he's gonna you know you know methodically kill these people is very clever too. Uh, the way he he's he's making a real statement when he uh, makes the guys at the bank dump all the money out the window. You know, that's an interesting thing. I mean, I think that's an adequate diversion. I mean, you have a bunch of people rioting in the streets trying to get cash. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, also that's also a practical thing that they had to show in the movie. Like, uh, a lot of people, I've heard people say about the 89 Punisher, well, how does he fund his war? Well, right here we know how he funds his war. Yeah. Yeah, and then at the end he, uh, you know, he gives the neighbors, you know, some of his money. And that's very classic Punisher. That's very typical of the Punisher. And uh, he he wants to do some sort of justice, and he'll give people cash for it. Uh, so so ultimately, uh, we're 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 down at the, we're down at the end here. It's it's a surprisingly a more human movie than I was expecting. It ha- it has the potential to be a much deeper film than it is. The Punisher has to come right out and tell us what his mission statement is, and that bothers me a little bit. I I, I feel like yeah. I feel like we could have gotten that without him coming right out and telling us. And I I I, um, I felt like our intelligence was insulted a little bit when 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 he said, you know, it's not revenge, it's punishment. Um, there was something we could have we we could have you know shown and not told, right? Yeah. There's I hate it when they just full-on, blatantly state the theme of the show. This is the theme, yeah. I mean, they did it in Zombieland, so you can have a decent movie, or even a really good movie, that decides to insult your intelligence briefly. You know, sometimes I wonder if it's not just that they think that it's going to be a, uh, like, here's our brainless movie, and now let's try to add some rhyme and reason to it by, uh, by saying this at the end. But maybe they accidentally created a good movie in the process. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to give The Punisher a 2.5 out of 4 um, I, what, what are you laughing at? I was trying to decide I was like, If I'm going to give it a rating, what am I going to give it? And I was like, oh, let's go with 2.5 Oh really? You were thinking yeah. that too? Um, and, and you know, we said a lot of, um, of, of, of Really great things about the movie I don't have. I actually don't have as many criticisms as I have praises, but the criticisms I have are, are, are pretty big ones. Uh, and and a, and a lot of it again is simply um, this is a good movie. This could have been a great movie. And so um, you know you know the 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 great brilliant Punisher movie has yet to be made. Yeah, I mean this should be Marvel's biggest like action franchise, but they just haven't managed to one hundred percent get it right yet. Yeah, and that's not to say that I don't really appreciate the subtleties in this. I like that it's not just a giant action thing. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not. That's that's great. Uh, but there is there's a, there's a really interesting character here that we just don't spend quite enough time with. Um, the villain is done perfectly, uh, but the I, I think oh, I would agree. I think that a lot of the flack that the villain gets is uh, people having expectations that aren't met. Well, Vince, thanks a lot for being on Superhero Rewind. Uh, again, I, I, again, I know this is a, a, t- a totally different way to do this, uh, but you brought a lot of insight, and I really appreciate having you on. And hopefully nobody's dissatisfied with the uh, two-man conversation rather than the scripted review. <laughs> right. Uh, next, next week I'll be back to uh, the normal uh, way of doing things, and uh, I'll be reviewing, of all things, Disney's Sky High. See you then. Ba, ba, ba.